as we see, you know, this, this sermon series is entitled Love Made New because as we talked about last week, when Jesus came into the world, there were things that were activated. Things were put in place. The Holy Spirit came. Truth was revealed at a level that was never known before that, okay, that could not be known. And so all of the commands that we have in the New Testament, they're not just repeats of things in the Old Testament that are like, okay, yeah, you know, this is true, but try to do better. That's not what this is about. He's saying that in the New Testament, we have new life. We have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within us. We are now capable of loving. We are now capable of knowing truth at a level that we could not before. I don't know about you, but that excites me. You know, I kind of like those, those finding the, the hidden treasure in, in Scripture of, of love and, and, and truth and knowing that I have the Holy Spirit working inside of me, helping me, guiding me to know what I need to know. And that, you know, it's a privileged position. The church is in a position of knowing things that it talks about in the Old Testament that angels longed to look into. So even those who served God in the heavenly court did not have access to what we freely have access to through the Holy Spirit. And so John is laying the groundwork. And as we saw last week, we saw that Jesus is absolutely unique and that everything focuses on him. And so now this week, we're going to talk about light, love, and forgiveness. And basically, what is the result the baseline result of knowing Jesus and following him, how do we know we are following him? How do we know when things are going the right way? Because if we get that off and we start doing things like looking at, well, is my job going okay? Am I making enough money? Am I doing all of that? We start looking at blessings in the material realm as proof of our faith, we're going to be disappointed. Because that's not how we measure our faithfulness to God or God's faithfulness to us. And if we do that, then, you know, anytime there's a hiccup in life, we start to look at things like our health or relationships. And anytime we hit a road, you know, a bump in the road or, or a pothole in the road, as, you know, many of us can be familiar with around here sometimes. Just sometimes. Anytime we start to hit that, we'll start questioning God's love for us because we thought, you know, hey, if I'm, I'm in Christ, good things are supposed to happen. That's not the litmus test. That is not how we measure and understand the blessings we have in Jesus Christ. And so John is laying that foundation in chapter one so that as he gets into some of the deeper things that he's going to talk about, we know where we're drawing it from. And so... Look with me in 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, going through verse 10. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, 
We make him a liar, and his word is not in us. So in typical John fashion, he starts one way, and then he just kind of turns in a, you know, unexpected fashion. But the first thing that he tells us, he says, this is the message we've heard from him. So remember, he talks about, you know, that which was from the beginning, that which we, we've seen, we, we've touched, we, we heard him, that Jesus was God incarnate. He says, so here's what he taught us. And this is what I'm passing on to you. And he says that God is and in him is no darkness at all. God is light. Now think about that statement. God is light. Now this is obviously metaphorical. He's not saying, you know, physical light is, is God. But in the metaphor, what do we know about light? Light is an amazing thing. Light travels faster and, and, and basically exists outside of time. It travels faster than anything else in, in, in all of creation can travel. Life is impossible without light. And, and as we saw, you know, last week, light makes all the difference between confusion and, and, and clarity. You know, last week, y'all got to watch me preach in the dark. And this week, we're very thankful that the power is working. Light is unmistakable, right? Light is powerful. Light is pure. You, you can't have like half light. Light can be dimmed, it can be whatever, but you, there's either light or there isn't. You ever notice there's not really a degree of, you know, half light. There's either light or dark. There is no in between there. And when there's darkness, what does that mean? It means light is simply absent. Darkness has no substance in itself. All darkness is, is the absence of light. And so when John says God is light and in him is no darkness, what he's saying is that there is nothing lacking within God himself. He is fully 100% sufficient for himself, for his own existence. And so when people talk about creation, why did God create the world? And somebody says, well, he was lonely. No, he wasn't lonely. Because he has perfect community within himself, within the Trinity, within Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God wasn't lonely. He wanted to express his love. He wants to tell his story. He, he, he wants to glorify himself and reveal himself. But he wasn't lonely because in him is no darkness at all. There is never a point at which God is not perfect and holy. Even within himself. Now that is not something that any of us can say. How many times have you been aggravated with yourself for inconsistency? Yeah, we don't have enough fingers, right? We know, I mean, we know, that it, like, this, here's the path I want to go, here's how I want to do it, this is who I am, this is what I want, this is, and, and then suddenly we're over here. And we're like, this doesn't even fit. You see, there is, and unfortunately, there is darkness within us as far as that goes. We are not pure light. We are made in the image of the light. But we are not pure light, and so we're inconsistent within ourselves. Our own being, we are inconsistent to what we were created to be. But with God, there is no inconsistency at all. Isn't that a wonderful thing to be able to grab onto in faith? That God is unchanging, he is always perfect, he is always the same, and within that, there is perfect holiness and goodness and righteousness. 
And so that's why the scripture over and over and over again refers to light and God metaphorically together. It, it just it puts these together all the time. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You see, we know when light is there. The, the, the scripture also tells us that God's word is a, 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 a what? A, a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path, a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. That it is this guiding force that is always going to be there. Psalm 36, 9, for with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. When you see God and you learn to see God and to walk in his light, you start to see more of his light. You start to recognize more of his life. The more that God's life that you live, the more of his life you start to recognize and want and can then live in more of his life. A little bit of light goes a long way, right? How many of you have ever been in a blackout situation where, man, just a match was a lifesaver? Isn't it amazing when there's absolute darkness around you how little light can make such a huge difference. Well, listen, we live in a dark, dark world. And Jesus is the light. You see, in, God, in John's gospel account, John said this in John 1, 4 through 5, he says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not if you want to see clearly in this life, you want to see clearly to who you are, you want to see clearly to what the world is, you want to see clearly to who God is, you want to see clearly to who your enemy is. If you want to see clearly, you must look to Jesus. You must look to Jesus in all things. There can be no part of your life that is untouched by the light of God. And I think what happens too many times is we have what I like to call a separation of church and life. We're all about the things of God and we love it. And we want it to be all over and we're, we're very involved in church. And then we kind of go about life and we, I don't know that it's absolutely intentional, but sometimes I think we forget to kind of grab that stuff that we learned in church and pull it on into our lives and walk in it all during the week. And so we recognize it as we're doing our Bible studies and, and we're, we're singing. We recognize the light and it's amazing. We're like, this is great. I love God. God is so amazing. And I see the light. And then it's like we start to go out into the dark world. Because look, when the saints are gathered like this and we are worshiping and singing together, that light is shining bright. Have you ever taken a candle and put another candle with it? And then put another candle with it and you keep putting them together? What happens? That flame gets big. That flame gets bigger than it really should, and it burns hot and it's bright. That's what happens every Sunday in church. But then we got to take all those individual lights and we separate them. We go out into the dark world. And I think sometimes we forget to let that light shine. And so then we start going through life, and instead of using that little bit of light to, to guide us, we just kind of set it down over here, and then we go about life, and we come up to pitfalls like this, and it's like we have our eyes closed, and we step off the ledge. And they're like, God, why did that happen? And he says, well, I, if you'd have been using the light that I gave you, it wouldn't have happened. You'd have seen it, and you'd have known what it was. 
You see, when it says God is light and there is no darkness in him, he's saying that his ways will always lead us in the right direction. Everything, who God is, what he does, what he says, who he is in his very nature is light. And light is powerful. There is nothing that can overcome light. That's where he says, in him was life and the life was the light of men. Jesus Christ himself is the light that we all need in life. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome. You know what? The darkness tried hard to overcome. Why do you think darkness covered the face of the earth for three hours at the crucifixion? Darkness was trying to extinguish the light. Satan was going for it. He was trying to extinguish the kingdom of light. He was trying to destroy all the work of God. He was trying to take over everything himself. And what happened at the resurrection? The light shined forth. The darkness could not overcome. The light shines bright. And so when we talk about the light, God is light. We're talking about God's holiness, his goodness, his very nature being described. Now, how do you describe the eternal, the infinite, to the temporal and the limited? How do you describe the eternal to the limited? You got to use phrases that make sense to our mind. And light is one of those. We know the difference between light and dark. We all instinctively know the difference. And light then is a picture of truth, of knowledge, of righteousness in God, while darkness is a picture of falsehood, ignorance, and sin. And so in him, there is no darkness at all. And so we can trust the ways of God. And we can also be honest about the darkness within ourselves within that. And it's important that we're honest about that because listen to what James says. In James 1.13, he says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. Why? Because there is no darkness in him. And he himself tempts no one. Why? Because he is light, and he cannot put forth darkness. So he cannot tempt somebody to evil. And so again, in James 1.17, it says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything good in your life is a gift from God. And it is a gift he has freely given. He, he is not, you know, asking you to earn it. He's not at, he's asking you to maybe be a steward of it, to tend for it and care for it, but but he has given freely to you. Every good thing in your life is a gift that God has given. And so the old saying holds true. And many of you know this. You can finish it with me if you want. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. You see, we know that. We've heard it so many times that it becomes cliche. But you know what? The truth is never cliche. The truth is truth. And it's something we have to be reminded of over and over and over. And so what John is doing here is, is more than just telling us about the nature of God. He's laying the foundation for what it means for us to have fellowship and to walk in that light. Because imagine a person walking with light or in darkness. 
If you have to walk in darkness, how do you walk? Fearfully? Somewhat paranoid? You know the furniture is waiting for you to stub your toe? Just waiting. That thing in the floor that you were going to pick up and you didn't get around to it and you're walking in the dark? It's like a magnet, right? Just find it, step on it. See, we know when, when we try to navigate in darkness, it, it's like nothing works. And it's like every mistake we could possibly make, we do. But when there's light, do we even really think? We just react. We just go. I, you know, I walked up on stage. If it were dark in here, I'm going to be really careful around those steps. I'm going to get close to be like, I know there's a step here somewhere. I don't want to fall over it. You know, one day I was coming in here. Uh, it, it's been over a year now. I was coming in, and it was dark. I was coming in to grab my Bible off of here, and I just thought, yeah, I'll, just, you know, I'll run in and get it. That speaker right there is evil. <laughs> Because it got moved. And I thought I knew where it was, and I was walking in, and next thing I know, I'm face planted right here on the stage. Tripped over the speaker and thought, yeah, I'll just turn on the light next time so I don't have to do that. You see, when light is present, it just, there is such a difference that you don't even question, oh, are they walking in light or in darkness? You, it's a silly question, right? We just know. Do you know it's just as obvious when a person has fellowship with God and when they don't? And that's what John is telling us. That's why it says in verse 6, he says, If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And he says we lie because as we're face planting on stuff in front of us, it's clear we don't know the truth. We're not walking in the light. We don't have fellowship with the light because our life is proving it. And, and don't go to this place where we're suddenly like the most rebellious, evil person we can think of. We're me tripping over a speaker that we knew was there. It becomes that obvious in our lives. And so the result of fellowship with God, the fruit of fellowship, is akin to the fellowship with light and darkness. John lays out a series of statements now that are a sort of test of whether or not a person is truly walking with God. If they're in the light, there are certain things that will happen. If they're not in the light, there are things that are going to happen. And one, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Now, what does he mean walk in darkness? Well, it means a life characterized by the things of this world, characterized by sin, characterized by the flesh, not characterized by the things of God. And what are the things of God I'm saying here? Truth, love, joy, peace, patience. The very fruit of the Spirit is absent from our lives. And when love is not present, is it obvious? Pretty obvious, right? When peace is not present in a person's life, is it obvious? Yeah. It's obvious as dark and light. This is not a hard thing. And so when people are like, I'm not sure if I'm walking with God, is the fruit of the Spirit present at all? I'm not saying perfect. If you're looking at it and you're like, oh, no, I, you know what, I still sin. Well, he's already got something to say about that later. Okay, sin will be a struggle. It will be the, the, the struggle for the rest of our lives in this life, okay? 
God has not called us to be completely and never, you know, commit a sin ever again. What he's called us to is to repent, turn away from it, to pray for forgiveness, to confess it, and he will cleanse us of the unrighteousness. There is a huge difference there. So get out of your mind the idea that if you have fellowship with God, that somehow you will never make mistakes. That's, that is a lie. That is, that is a lie from Satan. That's not what he's saying. But he says the way we walk, it's a lifestyle that either reflects the things of God and an effort and a desire to see those things in our lives or a lifestyle that reflects and mirrors the world around us. Which one is it? It's one or the other. And there is no in between because it is as obvious as light and dark. And so he's not talking about a single failure, but a lifestyle, which explains the second part of this. What does he say? He says, if we, have fellow, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Notice he puts truth into an action. He didn't say we lie and don't believe the truth. What did he say? He says we don't practice the truth. Because what we believe truly informs our actions. Our habitual actions, what we do repeatedly in life, will come from what we really believe. It will show itself. So if you are a person who brings peace, love, patience, kindness to others as a matter of life, then it's a good bet God's working, working in you. If you're a person who rejoices in the truth, Praises God, wants God present in your life. If you're grieved by sin, then God is working in your life. And that is the obvious difference. So many times I have people come to me and they're like, Pastor, I just I struggle with sin. And I said, Welcome to the club. So I just, if I could just stop, I said, Okay, and they, just, they, they, they get so wound up over it. And, and finally, I, I say, you know what? The fact you're bothered by this is proof that God is present in your life. Because if God wasn't present, you wouldn't even be bothered by it. You'd just, you'd just move on. It wouldn't matter. You would not be bothered by it. The fact that we know darkness from light, the fact that we can look at ourselves and go, oh, I am falling short. You see, one of the great paradoxes of the Christian faith is that the more mature you get, the closer you walk with God, the more fellowship you have with light, the more aware you are of your own darkness. And so the more mature you are as a Christian, the more you're going to look at yourself and say, oh, man, I got a long way to go. I am so out of step with God. I am so sinful. Why? Because you're seeing the light and it's the light of exposing the darkness. And so far from a struggle and in, in, in being grieved by sin as being proof that you're out of step with God, the fact you're grieved by it is proof that you are walking with God. And that's why he says we don't practice the truth. Truth is something that we have to do in life if it's really to have an impact. I can say, yes, I believe that God is good all the time, but then if the first hint of trouble comes into my life, I'm like, God, why do you hate me? I'm not practicing the truth. 
But if I am truly informed of Scripture and I understand the truth that God is good all the time, and everything he does is good, everything he does is light, everything he does is, it, it comes from his own holiness and his own love of, for, for who he is and for his creation, and then I can go further in Scripture and say, okay, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose— and I can say, you know what, this thing in my life right now that is a pothole, that is a speed bump, that I really don't like, God can and will use it for something good. And I trust that, so I won't question his love for me. See, huge difference. It's not the absence of the struggle. It's the interpretation of the struggle. And if we are walking in light, we're going to see God's hand even in the struggle. We're going to see, even where we're tempted to, to think incorrectly about it, we'll be able to say, okay, that's the wrong way to think about it. I know my heart goes that direction, my feelings go this direction, but the word tells me it's something else, so I have to go that direction with it. And that's what it means to practice the truth. It's more than just intellectually agreeing with the word of God. It's making life decisions based entirely on the truth. And then he gives us another statement in verse 7. He says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This is one of those John terms that, you know, we kind of, before we thought, you know, we have fellowship with him when we walk in darkness. He says, we lie and do not practice the truth instead of believe the truth. Now we, we kind of would expect to say, if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with him, right? That's kind of where our brain wants to go. Well, clearly, we have fellowship with God. But John expands this out. He says, oh, no, we, you have fellowship with God. You'll also have fellowship with his people. I cannot overemphasize how important this statement is. Because the illustration I gave earlier of taking all the candles and putting them together. Sometimes things start to burn a little dim, don't they, in our lives? What's better than when our flame's getting a little low and to have other people come and add their flame to it and start to burn again? To reignite it. To give it a little, a little help, outside help. That's what we do with each other. Not only does iron sharpen iron, so one man sharpens another, it is literally, you have the Holy Spirit in you, I have the Holy Spirit in me, and together when we sing praises to God and we fellowship together, God's Spirit moves in special ways that builds up His people. And we cannot forsake the gathering of the saints ever as optional. It may be optional in that you have a choice whether or not to gather into fellowship with the saints. But let me tell you, if you want to walk with God closely and hear his voice consistently and honor him consistently, you cannot do it by yourself without your church family. You can't. And so... What he's talking about now is fellowship and forgiveness. And we'll get into forgiveness in a, in a minute. But the natural progression of walking in the light is the love of neighbor becomes a way of life. 
We cannot separate the love of God from the love of neighbor. I know y'all hear me say that a lot. Get used to it because you know, I'm going to keep saying it. You cannot separate the two. To love God is to love his people. And John, he says it so poetically. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It's just plain and simple to him. We'll fellowship with each other. We will be drawn to God's people. And we'll have that fellowship because we have the same love, because we have the same spirit, because we, we celebrate the same salvation, because we have the same Lord and the same God. We're going to find common ground. And we will have that fellowship with each other. See, the first thing God saw that wasn't good in creation was what? And man was alone. None of us is created or even recreated in salvation to be a lone ranger Christian. To be the hero by themselves that's spiritually stronger than I or whatever. We are never called to be alone in that sense. We grow together. We serve God together. We walk together. God wants us to connect with each other. So this is why when somebody says, well, I, I don't need church to, to love God. No, but you do to serve him and know him. Yes, a person can believe that God exists. A person can even have a saving faith without being involved in church. Yes, they can. What you cannot be is effective in your Christian walk without a church body. Which means if you're going to be ineffective in your church walk, then that means God's not ever going to use you for bigger purposes. So is that the goal? Is that what we want? Hey, God, I want to do the bare minimum to get into heaven. And I know you said love your neighbor, but you know, I don't like him. So can I just love you? See, that, that doesn't work. And so John says, we have fellowship with him. We walk in the light as he is in the light. He's the light, then the light's going to do what the light does, and it's going to draw other people in, and we're going to enjoy that fellowship that we have with each other. And we're going to want to grow in it. And so what does that fellowship look like? Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Now, I got it. He's not in here right now, and so I can say this so his head won't get too big, but... Our, uh, our elder, uh, Michael Alanese, gave a really good devotional at our last elder meeting, and so I'm stealing this from him. No, I'm just using the, the scripture he did. But uh, he really did. He, he talked to us uh, as a devotion about the importance of the body of Christ in church. And in Hebrews 10, 23 and 25, it says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Now that is fellowship with God. Walk in the light. As he is in the light, and in verse 24, and let us consider, that means think about, meditate on, really be purposeful and intentional about this. Consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing. He says, our faith is we cling to Jesus Christ as we hold to the truth. One of the genuine evidences that we are clinging to Jesus is that we should be loving other people in such a way that we're being intentional about encouraging them 
stirring them up to good works, which means we want to see them serving God just as much as, as we serve God. And, and, and vice versa, we should be helping each other, lifting each other up as best we can. And he says, consider it to just stir each other up to love and to good works. So fellowship is more than Baptist potluck dinner. Now, look, I have nothing against potluck dinner. They're great. We need to do more of them. We need to get to know each other. But I'm telling you, the Christian fellowship we are talking about right here is that when we genuinely invest in each other. Where we encourage each other to, to be faithful to God. Where we pray for each other. Where we love each other. Where we lift each other up when we fall down. We don't shoot our wounded. We help heal them. Pick them up. Strengthen what's weak. Lean on each other. Christian fellowship is that where the love of God flows freely between all of us. And so when we have that fellowship with God and we practice the truth, we have not only fellowship with each other, but what does he say? He says, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. All sin. See, we're able to have fellowship with each other and experience this wonderful life that God has in the knowledge and in the security of knowing my sins are forgiven. Completely forgiven. See, John is painting this picture of a wonderful existence that we have in this broken world, in this world of darkness where we have light, where we have love, where we have fellowship with each other, and it's rooted in the person of Jesus Christ, in the work of Jesus Christ, and in the spirit, in the bonding of Jesus Christ, in fellowship. And he says, if you're walking in the light, it'll just be there. You will have a desire to love other people. Anybody else in here remember that when you got saved? Maybe, you know, if you, you got saved a little bit later in life, in teenage years or later, I remember what was happening to me when I was saved at 14. I remember when the love of God really started to change me. And I started feeling that love for other people. And I was like, why do I care? This is weird. And it really was because I would see stuff and I'm like, oh. And I would just feel that, that heart pull of like, I care about this. I, and I remember my grandmother was like a hero of mine in the faith. She loved God more than anybody I've ever known. And I remember talking to her. I called her up and I'm like, grandma, is this normal? Like, I just, I love other people now. And she's like, oh, it is, amen. I, she was so happy about it. But I just remember that change happening in my own life. Where I knew, this isn't for me. This is something that God is doing within me. And this is coming from outside of myself. Now, did Satan try to disrupt that? And I, oh, yeah, there are all kinds of things that happened in my life after that. We got, you know, Satan, the enemy, was attacking and trying to stop it. But you know what? He still hasn't succeeded. Go help God's people. God's church is amazing. His bride is amazing. And when we seek to honor God together and honor each other, you know, Paul, the Apostle Paul says it in Romans 12 like this. He says, seek to outdo one another in showing honor. 
outdo one another in showing honor to each other. It, wouldn't that be an amazing thing for a church to grab hold of? Outdo each other in showing honor. Lift each other up. And we do it all then with the security of knowing I am forgiven for everything. Every failure, every misstep, every act of rebellion, everything I am forgiven. And so within that, we have to make the good confession. And, and, and I mean this, we have to make the good confession. Because John closes this little section out with, with a truth that we have to drive home. Because we've seen all that he offers in Christ, right? It's amazing. So what is it that will trip us up from experiencing that? Sin. Now listen to what he says. He says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Why? What does the truth say? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if I can't fit myself into all, I'm deceiving myself. That's all there is. There's no other way to think about it. I'm deceiving myself. I have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yet, that is what the human heart wants to do. We want to deflect. We want to push it off. Oh, God, that woman you gave me. She gave me the fruit and I ate it. It's not really my fault. She just kind of grabbed it and stuffed it in my mouth. I, I made me chew. I, I couldn't do anything. See, that's what we want to do. But verse 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then he repeats it. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, why would John say this twice right here, sandwiched with, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. He's saying this is what will prevent us from experiencing the fellowship and the life that he wants us to have. That's right. We have to be truthful about where we're at. And this is truthful all the time. Even after we're saved, we've got to be truthful about, okay, God, this is where I'm at. My heart's stanky today. My heart is not good. I'm not in a good place. Or today, God, I'm feeling pretty good. Don't let me get prideful. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling pretty righteous today. And I, it, all over the place. We have to be honest about it. But we have a promise in this. Verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. God does not withhold forgiveness. What does it say? If we confess. We just got to agree with it. What is confession? It's, it's agreeing with God on his standards of holiness. And when we look at our lives and say, okay, I'm not being holy. God, I've sinned. Here's my sin. You got to own it. We all have to own it. Because all we can do is either deceive ourselves or try to say that God's lying about us. That's all we can do with sin or confess it. We got three choices. Deceive ourselves, claim God's a liar, or confess it and be forgiven. And if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, will you and do you make the good confession to God regularly? Do you come to God in confession of your sin? Do you come to God and confess that he is the light and that, that you need his fellowship and you need fellowship with him and you need fellowship with his people? 
Do we make the good confessions to God over and over? Because if we do, he is faithful and just. He is faithful because he loves us. He is just because Jesus died on the cross for us. And so there is no need to worry. But we can trust God at every turn. Through his light, love, and forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, Father in heaven, God, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that you have provided everything that we need. And God, that walking with you is as obvious as a walking in light or in darkness. God, help us not to be caught up in pride or fear, but God, to make the good confession to you every day. To submit ourselves to you every day. God, trusting in your love, trusting in your spirit, following your spirit. God, teach us the truth through your word so it will guide us. That, God, it would be obvious that we have fellowship with the light. God, that we would not be those that claim to have fellowship but walk in darkness, God. The only difference is walking in darkness, God, is lead us to confess our sins rather than conceal them. God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love. We thank you for the sacrifice of your son on the cross for us, that we can know righteousness. God, we know we fall short. But God, we come to you for forgiveness. We come to you for life, for grace. And we thank you that you give it to us. God, it's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.